This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Last Sunday, we uh, went after church to get the Christmas tree, just traditionally the Thanksgiving weekend after church, go get the Christmas tree and began the decorating process. And it was very special this year because last year, when we got home to Pennsylvania on Thanksgiving, my wife came down with COVID. So after we pulled into Pennsylvania, we had to immediately turn around and come back. Um, yeah, yeah, which was heartbreaking on, on many levels because my wife loves to be a part of the decorating process. She loves the Christmas season, loves decorating the tree, being a part of the tree, selecting the tree. I am happy to carry the tree. That's my part. I get that, and I'm good with it. Uh, last year, uh, the boys and I, we would go to, I think we went out to Andy's, whatever it was, and I have my phone, I'm FaceTiming her. What do you think of this tree? What do you think of this tree? And what do you think of this tree? And she said, oh, that tree's fine. We brought it home, and every now and then she'd come out and she'd put an ornament on, but, you know, COVID wiped her out, and she'd go back into the bedroom and rest for a while. And then I got COVID, and so really none of us remember much of last year's Christmas decorating season. Only thing I remember is that I had terrible headaches and I binge-watched 10 seasons of NCIS New Orleans. That's what I did. And to this day, when I hear that theme song, I get sick to my stomach. So this year, we're unpacking the ornaments and it's like we haven't done this in, in two years. As we're opening up case upon case and, and it's such a... It's such a a delight because each ornament means something. It's part of our story. I mean, my wife has ornaments that were made by her great-grandmother. We have ornaments that we've picked up on various journeys in our marriage in 20 years. So we go here and we go there. I mean, there's the bulbs, you know, just the bulbs that you kind of stuff in there. You know, uh, I brought some of them. I was allowed to check these out of the, the museum had to give my, leave my driver's license and the thumb ID and my address. Uh, this, this one was given to us uh, by my grandmother, uh, my Mimi, when we first got married. It has our anniversary on the back. It says, our first Christmas. This was made by Wendell August, which is a, a forge back in Pennsylvania. I see some of my Pennsylvania people shaking their heads. They understand. This, one of the challenges is it's, it's, it's gotten really kind of tarnished because our first First or second Christmas, a uh, house that we were staying in, uh, there was a flood in the basement and it ruined a lot of our, our decorations. And, and you can still see this one's got damaged. But when I, I look at this, I immediately think of my Mimi. And she's a special, special grandmother. In fact, we had her stay at our house one Christmas. Just to bless her, my grandfather had passed away and, and no one should be alone on Christmas. She said, Mimi, you come stay with us. My mom brought her down and she showed up with her little suitcase and all, all, all dressed up to the nines because she was that kind of lady. And Christmas morning, she just kind of walked up and down the halls before anybody else was up four o'clock in the morning singing Christmas carols and just like, go to bed. Up on the rooftop, reindeer claws. I'll just go. And my kids are like, seriously, does grandma have to? Yes, she does. Let her sing. In fact, you go sing with grandma. Um, I see that ornament. I think of, I think of Mimi. Uh, here's when we went to Chincoteague a couple years ago. This is a, a crab trap. 
and so are we unpacking that? I immediately I think of that journey. I think of that vacation, that experience. It takes me, uh, takes me back to when we had that memory. Here's another ornament. This is one of my favorites. I love the peanuts. I love Charlie Brown. You can't see it, it's, but this is Schroeder playing on the piano because um, I identify with that. And here's Lucy scowling down at him. Telling him what to play. I love my wife. And we put that up there and we laugh and we, we, we delight because these ornaments invite us back into the story. Oh, remember first Christmas here. Oh, remember that. Oh, remember this. And every year my wife will go and she'll pick out a couple ornaments for the boys. And there'll be this moment when they move on and, and their ornaments will go with them. And I can only imagine that moment. And we, we share all this together. Gathered around the tree yesterday, the tree finally finished getting decorated. It took seven days. And that's a pretty good time in our house. It's a pretty good time in our house. The tree welcomes us in. To remember that we're a part of something. This is what Advent is. Advent is, is come back to the story. Be swallowed up again in what God has done. Remember this and remember this and remember this. And remember you're a part of something. The last, last week we began our journey into Advent. Last week we talked about peace. Peace is such an important part of the biblical story. Of what God is doing here on earth. It's a mission of peace. And as we enter into, uh, in Luke chapter 2, we, we kicked back just a bit and started with Luke chapter 1, where John the Baptist's dad, his name was Zechariah, said, hey, one is coming, and the prophet says, he will lead us into the way of peace. What we are missing now. The way of peace. The message from the angels to the shepherd was what? Peace for all. For all, a macro piece. But then, if you read a little bit more in the story, there's an old man named Simeon who night and day is at the temple. And he's been promised by the Holy Spirit that before he dies, he will see what he calls the consolation of Israel. Meaning the one who will come and lead Israel into its peace. And he sees Mary and he sees Joseph and he sees the baby Jesus. He walks and he wraps his arms around baby Jesus. Maybe an awkward moment at the temple for first time parents. We all know what they can be like. But still, and he picks up baby Jesus. And he says, I can now depart in peace. For my eyes have beheld the salvation of the Lord. Peace. The before and the after story. And putting Jesus in the center. If you couldn't be with us last week, I encourage you, you can go to our website and you can get caught up on those messages. But we lit the candle of peace. Because the peace of Jesus has come, it's been passed on to us, and now we get to share the peace with others. Today, let's talk about love. And we're going to go back to the shepherd's story. So please join me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Again, I think the shepherds have a lot to show us and teach us 
this morning. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2. I'm going to go from eight, verse 8 to verse 20. Verse 8 to verse 20. follow along. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and seen as it had been told to them. This morning, I'd invite you with me. We're going to drill down on verse 15. And a simple phrase within verse 15, where they say, the shepherds say, let's go and see that which the Lord has made known to us. What the Lord has made known to us. Like unpacking ornaments in a Christmas box. I think there's three key ideas about God's love that can help us out this morning. God doesn't teach theology by giving us definitions. The Bible is not a glossary where you look up hope, definition. Peace, definition. Love, definition. God teaches by telling a story, by showing a story. I think the story of the shepherds teach us love, God's love. The Lord has made known to us. Let's say this about God's love this morning. God's love goes first. If you are with us, we, we kind of write things down sometimes. So in your notes, maybe you can write that down. God's love goes first. The shepherds are in the field. They're tending sheep. They're doing what shepherds do. It's nighttime. Maybe there's a cool breeze. Maybe the, the stars are out. Maybe one of them's sleeping by the fire and it's someone else's job. Then all of a sudden, what? God sends an angel to them. God's glory shines around them. God's message is shared to them. Let's see what the Lord has made known to us. The first move is always God's to make, and he always takes it. We have this habit of centering love on ourselves. 
Like we often put ourselves in the store, in the center of any story. Love will center on our actions. We work to be lovable, to be liked. Love will center on our emotions. We want to feel love, fall in love. We fall out of love. But God's love beats us to the punch. God's love gets there first. Our family's daily rhythm is like this, Monday through Thursday. The rhythm is basically the boys and I get home before Elise does, before she gets home from work. Okay? She normally will come in home around between 6 and 6.30 after she's done treating patients. And so the boys have known from the get-go, and this has never changed, four o'clock hits. What do we start to do, Jackson? We start checking our boxes, right? We start checking our boxes. And the same chore chart has been up on the refrigerator for as long as they can remember, and it doesn't change. And Monday, someone does this, and Tuesday this happens, and Wednesday this happens, and Thursday this happens. And we start to get the space ready. Sometime around 5, 5.30, I'll start the dinner process. And the story is always the same. Why are we doing this, boys? So mom can step into peace and not a war zone. In fact, there might have been some times like, yeah, I got my job done. Okay. Like, where is mom going to walk into the house? Where does mom trace? She's going to go from the garage. Let's go stand at the door where mom steps into the kitchen. Let's see what mom sees. And so we'll stand there and say, all right, what's the first thing mom's? Oh, she's going to see that? Yeah, so let's take care of that. She's going to say, okay, let's take care of that. Let's go ahead of mom so that she can receive peace. Let's do what we need to do ahead of time so that she can be welcomed in. My boys are learning how to go first. Because if you go to a wedding, you see the same thing played out. There's a reason that weddings have an order to them. Okay? The groom appears first, and then the bride is received in. When it comes to the vows and the declarations, the groom speaks first, and then the bride responds. Why? Because the groom is the symbol of Christ. Christ goes first. The bride is the symbol of the church. The church responds to the love of Christ. God's love goes first. You read about this in Romans chapter 5, 7 through 8. Paul says this, the apostle Paul no one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is God shows his love. He manifests, he reveals to us his love. How? While we were still in this place of sin and brokenness and corruption, God goes first. Still sinners, still outcasts, still thieves, still crooks, still liars. Jesus acted on our behalf, manifesting his love. This is in contrast to verse 7 where it says, hey, yeah, yeah, someone might, might die for a righteous person or for a good person. But that's not what you are, is it? That's not what I am. I'm not a good person. I know what I am. I know what I've done. 
And what a treasure to know God's love goes first. We labor with our selfie sticks to present ourselves lovable, likable, shareable, wantable. And God says, put down the selfie stick. This can be a big challenge for those who've walked away from the faith and come back. Because we're like, well, I know what I did. I know where I've been. I, I've just got, I got to get a pastor. I got to get a few things together first. Like if I walk in, the walls are going to fall down. Because we have to get lovable again. We have to get likable again. Because for us, love centers on our actions and our emotions and, and what we do. And God says, no, I go first. My love, I act first. I love you. We come to the communion table. We'll come to the communion table tonight at Celebrate. And it will already be prepared because Christ will have already acted. Christ will have already done. And he welcomes us in. What the Lord has made known to us. Second key about love I see with the shepherds is that God's love does best. God's love does best. If you're a note taker, write that down. If you're not a note taker, try something new. Write that down. <laughs> the angel said, here's good news. God is sending you a savior, Christ the Lord, meaning the anointed king. If your pipes burst, the, the best thing that I can send you is a plumber. Uh, if your car breaks down, the best thing I can send you is a mechanic. If you're sick, the best thing I can send you is a doctor. Who gets sent a savior? The one who needs saving. Zechariah's message that we talked about last week in Luke chapter 1. And I want to read just a little bit to you. As, as the father is speaking over his son John, who will be the messenger, the herald of Jesus. Jesus is going to do what? What does Jesus going to do? This is Luke chapter 1. I read this last week, but I want to read it again. Salvation to his people. Forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby sunrise shall visit us from on high. To give light to who? Those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. The story is about salvation. The story is about forgiveness. This story has people sitting in darkness in the shadow of death. God is doing what's best. Who, who gets sent a savior? One who needs saved. I was watching Jesus Christ Superstar this week. <gasps> I just like the music. I don't listen to the words. It's really, really bad words. It's a beautiful, powerful, powerful, powerful music. But in essence, it's the story of Jesus, but Jesus isn't God. Jesus is just a man that God kind of corrals and abuses into being part of a revolution and then kind of leaves him hanging, which is in essence what Jesus Christ Superstar is about. But it had popped up on, 
our streaming service. And I remember watching when John Legend did this. Let's maybe check that out again. I just, I'm just curious. And it gets to this pinnacle scene uh, in the musical, which follows the, the Passion Week of Jesus, where Jesus is in the garden in Gethsemane. And the artist is singing this powerful, powerful ballad, just letting it rip. It's amazing. Cuts to you. But he gets to the point where he says this. He says, tell me there's a reason for you wanting me to die. You're really big on what and how, but you're not so hot on why. Jesus, I don't, I don't know why I have to die. I don't know why I have to be a part of this. Why is this happening to me? From the beginning, God tells us the why. From the beginning, God tells us what we need. I'm sending you a savior. These are the Bethlehem shepherds in the story. These are the temple guardians who are called to give tireless oversight to the Passover lambs that need to go to Jerusalem, just a few miles over the hill. These are the Passover lambs who are going to get sacrificed once a year at at this Passover service in the temple. Why? Because when Israel was in Egypt, God saw them and God sent salvation. He said, take a lamb, smear the blood on the door, and the angel of death will pass over and you will be led out of your chains. You'll be led out of your oppression. And he says, come back to that story. These are the same shepherds who take these newborn lambs and swaddle them tightly so that the lambs won't get broken or blemished or damaged and places them in rock mangers so they can stay safe. This is, these are the shepherds to whom the angel says, you will find a newborn and he'll be swaddled and he'll be placed in one of those mangers. Because this one, as John will say, The very first thing that John says when he sees him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because God's love does what's best. And what's best? But what about what I want for Christmas? I have wants for Christmas. Don't you have wants for Christmas? Maybe, maybe little people have helped you accumulate a list of wants for Christmas. Oh, Grandma, I want this for Christmas. Grandpa, I want this for Christmas. I want the hottest toy. But God says, you know what? That isn't the best thing. You don't need novelty. Oh, I want to be happy for Christmas. God says that's not the best thing. Happiness can hide a whole host of problems. I want to find myself. I want to be free to be me. God's love does what's best, which means it's about what I need for Christmas. And I need a savior. I need a Passover lamb. I need one who will break the powers of sin and death. And I need one who will set the prisoners free. Because God's love does what's best for us. Parents, you get this, right? You, you do what's best for your kid, right? I mean, do you just give them what they want? Please say no. Do you just give the kid what he wants? Do you just give the daughter what she wants? Are there moments where doing what's best invites pain from the perspective of the child? 
hardship from the perspective of the child. Please tell me that you do what's best for your kid. You're making my life so difficult if you don't. There are times where we are disappointed and we're hurt and we're harmed from our perspective. But I need to remember that God's love always does what's best. Maybe not what I want, but what I need. Doctor saying, this is going to hurt, but this is what's best. I've had doctors say that to me. Have you ever experienced that? You're going to be off your feet for three months. I don't want to be off. You need, this is what you need so that you can heal. God's love goes first. God's love does best. Let's write this down together. God's love invites, invites in quotes, the least of these. God's love invites the least. The least of these, the outsiders, the outcasts, the forsaken and the forgotten. You don't have to write all that down. Just write down invites. The least. Many times in Jesus' ministry, he'll describe the kingdom and growing in the kingdom and coming into the kingdom like being invited to a celebration, uh, being invited like, to a Christmas party or, or a great gathering, a wedding feast. And each of those stories kind of highlights different aspects uh, of that metaphor and that idea. Here's one of them from Luke 14. Luke 14, verses 16 through 24. Let me read it for you this morning. Luke uh, 14, I'm going to start in verse 16. Jesus said, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. At the time for the banquet, he sent out his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, everything is now ready. Remember, God's love goes first. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've, I, I, I bought a field. I, I must go and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, oh, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I have, to, I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> There's a story. <laughs> so the servant came and reported these things to his master. The master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out. Quickly, to the streets, to the lanes of the city. Bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind. And the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. There's still more room. The master said to the servant, Go out to the highways, to the hedges, now even broader, farther out. Okay? Compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is so consistent with Jesus' ministry from birth to death to beyond. He invites all in. Don't let the excuses keep you from the celebration. Don't, don't keep business stuff away, personal stuff away, family stuff uh, away. He invites all of us in. Jesus goes to tax collectors. He goes to prostitutes. He goes to the forsaken, the forgotten, and the outcast. He goes to the non-Jews. And he says what? Come. Follow me. Follow me. It's still sad, as most, the modern church included, chase after the rich and the strong, the pretty with fame, 
And Jesus is busy inviting the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. Shepherds would have been on the outside of most celebrations. Bethlehem's rocking it out on a Friday night or a Saturday night or someone's having a wedding or someone's having a feast. And where are the shepherds? Oh, they're out in the fields doing what shepherds do. Shepherds are on the outside. Got to stay with the flock. Got to stay with the flock. They don't get invited in. They stay out in the fields through night. Shepherds are, they're out. But what happens? The angel says, He appears to them, gives them a message. You can hear a message and still be on the outside though, right? You can hear a message and still be on the outside. But then it says in this story, if you look at the beginning, and this really just grabbed him. The glory surrounds them. The light surrounds them. The sound surrounds them. They are now in something. They are a part, they are swallowed up in what's going on. They're not on the outskirts of the thing. They are within the thing. A couple years ago, we went to the Columbus Zoo for Christmas, their Christmas light festivities. Maybe you've gone and seen that. You're like waiting in a car for hours to get in there. And you walk through and it's, it's neat. It's just, Lights are here. Then all of a sudden, like the, someone pushes the magic button. And I'd love to find the button because I'd love to push it. And all of a sudden, like the music kicks off and this tree does this and this tree does this. No, 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 God invites the shepherds in. Then he even says, hey, and you can go backstage now if you like. You want to meet him? You can meet him. If you go to formal theater, formal traditional Greek-styled theater, it's set up like this. Minus what we call the great proscenium arch. Okay? You sit out there. The action happens here. And maybe you've gotten tickets. You've gone to a show. You've gone to Columbus or something. Cincinnati, you've, got, you've watched it. A big theatrical production. You sit out there and there's, maybe there's an overture going on and the grand drape is closed and there's a big arch. And at some point, the drape opens and the show happens. It's awesome. I love it. Grew up doing it. It's the greatest thing. Somewhere at a very dark time in the history of the church, we started doing church the same way. You sit out there, and some of us select people are going to do some stuff up here, and you watch. We'll touch the elements, and we'll handle all that stuff. We'll let you know when you can come forward. We'll let you know what you can do. But for, you stay there, and we're here. Think of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. You stay out there. We'll do the God stuff in here. God's love invites the least of these in. Come close. I've never seen a king born before. I've never, I've never seen a king before. 
These are guys who maybe even never even left Bethlehem. God's love invites the least. Because this isn't about what you have, what you bring to the table. It's not about what I am and what I've done. It's about what God offers. God's love goes first. God's love does best. God's love invites the least of these, me. How do we put all this together this morning in a way that we can carry it out to the world? If we go on in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in verse 16. I'm going to try to highlight uh, some phrases and some words. Uh, I see a theme in here that I, I know that you'll be able to pick up. This is in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 16. And I'm going to go down through 20. They, the shepherds, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and seen as it had been told them. Made known what they'd heard, wondered, pondered. There's something about this story and God's love that requires that I reflect on it, that I think on it, I meditate on it, I chew on it, I, I walk with it, I let it get in me. I let it affect me and move me. So maybe this morning we can write this down. We'll put this down. It's humble reflection that foster loving witness when it comes to God's love to me. For that love to go forward, it requires humble reflection. That will, that will foster a loving witness. As the shepherds think on and wrestle, hey, we got to go check this out. Telling everybody around, hey, you got to check this out. What do we got to check out? Mary's like, oh, you got to think about this. What's really going on here? I mean, so imagine, let's go into the story. Let's go into the shepherd's story. Let's go into that, that, that moment, that night. And the angel has appeared, and here's the shepherds. They're just kind of like, dude. And they're running into town. They're going, they're gonna find, they're gonna find where this baby is. And they're like huffing and they're puffing. And like Bubba, he was sleeping because it was my turn to watch the sheep. And then Jerry got into the briars. And so I said, I was pulling out these burrs out of his wool because the sheep won't stay out of the briars. Dude, and he said, We gotta go check this thing out. This is, here's this baby. This is this huge glowing guy showed up and he says, This is the baby. And then there's all these other huge glowing guys. And I was all afraid. And then Bubba, he woke up and he was afraid because all these glowing guys were there. And he said, This is the king that we talked about in Sunday school. We gotta come check it out. That this is the one that will set us free. This is the one. That we've been praying for. I never seen a king before. But he said that this is the king that I can go see. Because this is the king that's come for me. It says in 1 John 4:19, we love because he first loved us. Second Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 15. 
For the love of God controls us or it compels us. Because we have concluded this. We've thought and we've wrestled with this. We've reflected on it. That one died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all. That those who might no longer live for themselves, but for him for their sake died and was raised. We've concluded this. We've thought about it and we've wrestled on it. He came for us. This is what we needed. He does what's best and he did it for all. That we might not live for ourselves, but for him. So I reflect. Me. Welcomed in. Chris Chapman and I were, were, were chatting before the, the gathering started about Christmas movies. Because last week I talked about the battle of Christmas movies. And he says, have you seen the nativity? And I was offended a little bit. Like, I've seen the nativity. That's a great one. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's an awesome presentation. And we talk about scenes in the, in the film that kind of get a hold of us the most. Kind of bring you to tears. And, and, and there's this moment where the shepherd shows up. And he wants to touch, but he knows he shouldn't and he can't. And Mary says, he's for all. Christ came for me. So last week we lit a candle of peace because Christ has given us peace and we want to carry that peace forward. This morning we, we light the candle of love because Christ's love has, has come to you. It's come to me and we want to carry that love forward. In the first service, the candle almost went out. Awkward going to do it again. I, I prayed about this. The angel's laughing at me again. I want to find ways. You want to find ways of fostering this love. So my encouragement to you is you need to get away to some quiet space today, tomorrow, throughout the Advent season to do what? To reflect on the story. I'm the shepherd. I've been welcomed in. He loves me. He welcomes me. And the shepherds say, hey, guess who I've seen? Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.